Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host for the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today I'm happy to bring you another badass legend on season four, Legends Tour. Now, this is someone that I've known for, so I'd say 2015 we met. Was it 2015? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think we met 2015. And this person's like had a huge impact on my life just simply because the way they write, the way I write. And I remember when they were living on the East Coast, not on the West Coast. And I remember the move and everything else in between. And essentially, one of the things I talk about all the time is the story selling blueprint. You know, the course I've been designing for a while now. Kylie and I came up with that together. She actually helped me come up with a name, which is really lovely. Um, and then in the end, she ended up having to do her own thing. And I ended up taking it over and doing my own thing as well with it. But you're basically talking to the person that set me on the path of really understanding how to go from direct response to story selling more so and understand how to put that all together. Because I'd done it, but it was unconscious. And Kylie kind of goes, this is what you're actually doing. Read this book. It's amazing. So Kylie, (laughs) welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. And I assume that book was winning the story wars, huh? Hells yes. It sat on my bookshelf right (laughs) in front of my uh, computer. It's above my (laughs) piano as well. So, I'm a broken record. <laughs> she loves the damn book. It's an amazing book to have, and I'd recommend it to everyone. Now, just a real quick heads up, because we are doing a sponsor run. Please make sure you comment, you leave a review, you rate this, you share this, you subscribe, you do whatever the fun stuff that you need to do in order to get the show higher up, because there is some great stuff that we're bringing to the table. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, we're sponsors. Yay. Our sponsor, sh- uh, our sponsor reel. So today we are sponsored by AdelMarcy.com. Go there. Check that stuff out. Follow the podcast, read all the other stuff that we've actually got going on, sign up to the subscribe uh, to the podcast squad. Um, you'll see it as soon as you actually land on the page, you'll just drop down, sign up, you'll get started right away, and basically we'll email you every time a new episode comes out. Also, today we're sponsored by KylieSlavic.com. That's S-L-A-V-I-K.com, which is, of course our guest today. Go there, check out her stuff, including her story alchemy, i.e. storyify your ads. She basically gives you a formula for better ad performance. And you've probably noticed, I get a lot of people here that actually love to teach you how to do ads. That's because everyone has their own method and they all work. It's just really down to which one you want to follow. So with that said, Kylie, yay, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you could be here because you're awesome. Ah, well, thank you. (laughs) Glad to be here too. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be amazing. So I've got to ask real quickly, what have you been up to? Because I keep seeing like you pop up in literally so many of my friends' places. Like, oh my God, Kylie's amazing at story uh, storytelling and doing all ads this way. And I'm like, that's cool. What have you been up to? Yeah, I actually have been writing a ton of ads for the last couple of years for agencies. And now I'm sort of winding that down a little bit and moving more into launching courses again and really getting into that. So, yeah, I've been, I've had my hands in many, many, many brands in the last few years, just kind of sharpening my blade and, and, you know, things kind of wound up there. And now I'm like, Hey, let me, let me get back to my mission of helping everybody be able to do this because if, if everybody's empowered with this information, it will just shift the marketing landscape, hence shift the culture really fast. And for me, that's really, that's really the end game. That's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> so let, let, let's jump in here because you are really good friends with my actual brother from another mother and guest of the show who's coming back later on this year, even though he doesn't actually know it because I'm flying out to Montreal to meet him and we're doing a surprise show there with his newborn son, Brighton. Oh, you know who I'm Ryan. talking about, right? Ryan. Yeah. yeah, he's wonderful. Our other brother who is awesome. Um, so Ryan 
you and Ryan have actually been working. I don't know if you guys have been working together, but you guys have been like really cool that you guys actually know each other as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't worked together on anything specific. He's I've interviewed him in my membership community and he's interviewed me for some of his different programs. But we actually met in the Costa Rican jungle because our friend, our mutual good friend, Mark Coppola, he had a mastermind called Superhero Academy and that's been kind of growing over the years and that's where I met Ryan. So we've been good friends since then. That's awesome. Yeah, but Ryan's so likable and so you. So I'm like, I wouldn't even be surprised if you two were like the best of friends. <laughs> we were we were in the jungle together with 100 entrepreneurs or 80 entrepreneurs with no Wi-Fi. And it was so hot that everybody just ended up wearing their bathing suit all day. So after a few days of that, you just kind of get to be pretty good friends with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen you almost naked the entire time. Yeah, I know, right? So fun. <laughs> That's why was I not why was I not there is my my only question. It's like it'll be my favorite place to be. I'm just teasing. Um, that being said, though, so like you've been working like crazy on so many different things, and you know you've actually done so many great things. Because right now, if I remember correctly, you also had what's his face, Mike Mike Hill. Basically, I can give you a shout out as well, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, because I'm always curious about this kind of stuff, what have you what have you observed that's actually changed in the last two years with how things are done? Yeah, that's a great question. So if we're referring just to digital marketing in general, I can't speak into that as much because my my area of expertise where I've been, where I've sold through my ads and stories about close to $5 million at this point has been in the personal development, transformation, coaching space. Probably 90% of my sales have been in that niche. And I can tell you what I see changing there. And it probably is spilling over into the larger marketing landscape. But what I see there is that the marketplace is crowded. People have overinflated their own value and underdelivered, you know, really, really horribly underdelivered over the last couple of years. And the market is getting smarter and people are getting more intolerant of overpromise, underdeliver as they should be. Yep. And so what I see is that the landscape is shifting in favor of those who have real solid true value to offer and it's shaking off people that just thought they could come into our industry push a couple buttons and have a million dollars dump out of the computer, (laughs) which I love because I'm all about like, let's provide real value to real people and actually connect with our clients and care about them. Yep. I mean, it's one of the reasons we get along is because you know what I'm like with the copywriting industry. I genuinely, I've, well, you've probably seen it more often than not is I've been going after literally everyone that thinks they are a copywriter when in reality, all they are is charlatan. Yeah, totally. And you know, I don't stand with that stuff because like, wait, you paid this guy $10,000 and he didn't even make you back like half that money. (laughs) And now you won't actually fix the ad unless you pay him another five. What kind of ridiculousness is this? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, whatever happened to like clients first? And yes, your clients will be assholes. Don't get me wrong. I stand with Gary Halbert on that one. The clients suck, but at the same time... (laughs) You provide a lot of value to your clients. You make sure they're taken care of. My clients never suck. <laughs> yeah. I have a really, I have a really beautiful vetting process, and like I've learned to say no to more people than I ever say yes to, even if I happen to be in a, a position where I really need to generate quick cash flow. And obviously, copywriting is is a fast, easy way to do that because everybody needs it. And 
I really take time to connect with every person before I ever make a financial transaction. And there's just certain things that I'm not willing to work with. And that makes for a really great client relationship in terms of, yeah, who I'm working with and who I'm saying no to. Yeah, that is actually the big thing is you got to know exactly what your values are. Um, yeah. Because that's something that I've realized with a lot of my clients is I refuse to actually, you know how people are like super comfortable doing like Facebook transactions where they're like, oh, hey, I've never spoken to this guy but or this girl and I'm going to, you know, hire them to like write my ad or I'm going to do this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. My rule is I can't get on the, uh, I have to speak to you on the phone. I have to speak to you on Skype. I have to hear your voice because if mm-hmm. I can't do that, I, you're just a voice on the other end of a line. That means that I don't know who you are. If I don't know who you are, I can't do business with you. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm very much of that, that school of thought. And I think also for writing copy or telling stories, the thing that the first level of screening for me is, do you really know your messaging and do you really know who you're here to serve? Because if you don't, then I'm going to be a consultant at the sort of one-on-one level and that's not fun for me. So I, I need people to be pretty dialed in, to have offers, to be selling them already and to be really clear on their messaging and then I can take that and take it to a whole nother level for them. So that's really where I like to play. And if if people come to me and they're like, well, I don't really know. We kind of have these two different areas and we're trying to make it all fit into one. And then I'm like, okay, that's not, that's not going to be a good client for me. So for me, it's not even so much. I mean, I have to obviously have a creative synergy and a, and a good personality match with people, but then there's, there's certain things that I want them to have clarity on before I start to put my creative fire into their brand because it's a lot of energy to give when you're when you're mm-hmm. doing story work or copywriting you're you like have to live inside their brain and have that like ability to metamorphosize into them when you're writing and channel their energy in a way and so it's a very intimate relationship and so for me I'd rather work with less people at a deeper level Oh, yeah. No, you're speaking my entire language. I mean, I, think <laughs> I, I was, figured. Well, yeah, you and I know each other pretty well. and You know what my processes are like. You know how, yeah. what, how much it drives me crazy when I'm like, I'm inside my client's head and I can't get back out again. It's, it's <laughs> worse because you know me. I, I freaking live in my client's brain to the point where I can speak like them. And like yeah, basically that's write exactly it. it. Yeah, it's that's how it should be. Yeah, that's how it should be, right? Well, so we, we say should, but so few people do it, and it, <laughs> it in a way it's a good thing. But something that you said that I really want to kind of like touch upon is you actually mentioned that you want your client to have their message in whatever it is that you want their message to be completely dialed in, correct? I wouldn't say completely because we are going to work on it together and I'm going to bring it to a level of sophistication that they never even realized, but they need to be, they need to have foundational level clarity. You know, they have to come in and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And this is who I want to serve. And this is the way I want to do it. Like they have to at least have that much. You would be, I mean, maybe you wouldn't be, you probably wouldn't be considering, you know, what you do for a living so many people try to go online without any of that stuff. And it's like, you can't, you know, (laughs) if you're just selling, if you're just selling your personality, which is all you have left, if you don't have any of that stuff dialed in, then that, that tends to have about a one to two year shelf life. You have to have real value and you have to be able to translate that. Oh yeah, I agree. But the other thing I was actually going to ask you here is, Uh because it is me and you know, I'm always going to ask the difficult question as well. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, so myself personally, I still don't think I actually have my stuff dialed in. 
Mm-hmm. And the only reason I say this is because I'm still always constantly discovering myself. So I know mm-hmm. some of what I stand for and what I want, yeah. what I don't want, who I serve. Yeah. But then there's other stuff in there that comes up that's like, actually, no, I just, I, I love doing this other thing entirely. Like, um, I, I wrote a, an email out to my list today about how I just, lo- uh, well, I do love writing. My actual place on this planet is on stage. Ah, I love that. And, you know, anyone speaking to me within five minutes knows that the moment you put me in front of a crowd, it's like I light up, the, the magic just comes on. And you've seen it enough times when we've had, like, little phone calls. You're like, okay, how are you doing this wizardry where you're just talking my copy into existence? Or yeah. we've done this with clients, you know. We've all witnessed each other's, like, tasks and abilities and powers and stuff. It's, it's an amazing place to be. That being said, for someone that is in that zone where they're just constantly changing between different things, and the way I looked at it was because I spent so much time in other people's voices, that it took me a while to find my own. What mm. exercise do you actually give to someone to actually find their voice to begin mm. with? That's a great question. I have a lot of I have a lot of ways to pull that stuff out. Mm-hmm. But my favorite my favorite way to ask and see if you answer this question, it would translate over, you know, your your desires and goals as a copywriter and as a stage speaker. So it really doesn't matter to me what the avenue is. But I like to ask people, if you had 60 seconds to live, someone put a camera up to your face and you knew that the video would go viral after you died, what would you what would you say? Like, what is your message to humanity? Because I find that a lot of times in in uncovering that or in going through that exercise, people usually say something that really surprises them that they that they didn't necessarily bring into their business messaging and then they have this big aha and they're like, oh, I'm selling this, but what I really stand for and what really matters to me is this. And this is how what I'm selling fits into that. And they didn't even realize it before. They may have been doing it in a, in a kind of unconscious like way, but they didn't realize it. And that helps them bring so much more clarity and focus into whether they want to speak from stages, whether they want to write, whether they want to train through video. It doesn't matter because it's the same basic, the same basic message. And the way that Jonah Sachs talks about this in his book, Winning the Story Wars, that we already referenced is he talks about having an underlying moral of the story that is that comes across in every single communication. And as a copywriter, you you would want to find that for the people and make sure that's translating. But then for you personally, it's like, what is that for you on a deeper level that you bring into your business transactions? And so you have like a level of complication that maybe not everybody has because you do have to you do have to master so many voices that sometimes it's like, wait a minute, like, which one is mine? Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest, it's one of the weirdest places to actually be is this ability to actually like, walk into other people's voices and live there for the time being. Because, you know, it yeah. takes me, to write, uh, to do a consultation where I speak copy into existence takes me eight days total. You know, that's from yeah. meeting you, doing the voice record, like getting your voice recording and sample to creating the thing and giving it back to you as a transcription. That takes maybe eight to 10 days. Writing a sales letter takes me six weeks. Yeah, totally. Because, because it's just like, there's so much that needs to go through. And I just don't write the copy for just the sales letter. There's also the lander, the emails, the ads and everything else in between. But I've got to live in your voice for um, a very long time. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. And that's no fun. But something you actually um, referenced with Jonah is this. 
it's this underlying aspect of what it is that you do. And that's actually, I, I want to go back and just say, that is a great example of an exercise that you've given. You've only got 60 seconds to live. Someone puts a camera to your face and says, tell your story before you die. What do you want the world to know? And you go. Yeah. And was, yeah. And for me, it's like coming up to like uh, 14, 16, 17 days, almost 20 days now, I actually found what my life's purpose was and how I oh. actually show up in life. Yeah, it's it's twofold. Oh. It's twofold. Yeah. One is like for everyone else and one is for me. It's the same message, but it's just that I need to feel it for myself because it's the thing. So if someone put a camera to my face, like, okay, let's play this game. Kylie, someone puts a camera to your face. You have 60 seconds to live. What is it that you want the world to know about you? Oh, well, it wouldn't be about me. I would literally say, stop dumping your fucking garbage into the ocean, and I would be done after that. <laughs> Eight seconds. I'm good. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Mine would yeah. be a little bit longer. Yeah. But then again, it's me. I like talking, so of course I'm going like, to take as much time as possible. But no. You're like, give me one minute and 15 seconds, bitches. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a 52 seconds. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, what is it? So mine's quite simple. It's my vision in life is to inspire everyone I meet, including myself. Well, every person on earth, including myself, to feel, um, to feel, sorry. My mission and vision in life is to inspire every person I meet on earth, including myself, to feel embraced, happy, wanted, loved, and empowered. And by mm. doing so, they ultimately find out their true creativity and who they are showing up in an integral manner that allows them to be what they do at the best and highest levels while simultaneously feeling very little, um, not pain, but feeling very little pain and anguish in achieving their goals because what they want to achieve is actually a lot simpler than they believe it is. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's just a fun thing to do. <laughs> Why not? Why not have fun? Yeah, exactly. Fun is life, and life is fun, and so few people really understand the correlation between the two because they actually go hand in hand. And I can say this because I did this massive dumb mistake recently. I got myself into a bit of a financial pickle, and by the time the show comes out, it actually will be resolved. But when I was going through it, um, <laughs> at the time of recording this, it was quite funny because I stopped doing the things that were fun for me. Mm-hmm. And my stress levels went through the roof, and I couldn't actually get myself back out. The moment I started to have fun, mm-hmm. everything started to ease up. I started to make way more money. Mm. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Well, so very few people actually look at it, and th- th- you know, there's different things that come up. Like for me personally, there was um, I, I there was a religious quote that was given to me that uh, actually really really made sense if that makes mm-hmm. sense like mm-hmm. religious, like it's something because i i grew up in multiple religions but this one in particular came up and it was kind of like um sometimes you'll get tested by god in a way that nothing you do will work because mm-hmm. all you really have to do is turn back to god which is what i believe doesn't mean everyone has to believe this turn that into mm-hmm. source the universe lifestyle whatever it is go back to creation and creative mode whatever it is but you turn back to that area and just say you know what I can't keep running through the same pathway because I'm hitting the goddamn wall. Could you help mm-hmm. remove it for me, buddy? And mm-hmm. you know that kind of goes, yeah, you know what? You turn back to me, you ask me a favor, cool, let's do this. Here's the new drive you need. And someone or something <laughs> will always show up. So that's where my brain went. But Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that completely. Like, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are storytellers. That's what we do. Um, yeah. So I got a question for you, more or less on your background on this. Like, how did you, like, when you moved to California, when you first moved to California a couple of years ago, I remember this, Mm -hmm. you kind of moved there and 
I wouldn't say you were struggling, but I wouldn't say you were charging as much as you as you were worth, right? Mm-hmm. So what was the shift that got you to charge more of what you're worth? Mm, I ha- I actually ended up speaking at this event that was my friend Amateo's event. I think it was called Ex- Ascension Accelerator or something like that. And it was it was an event for the spiritual and kind of how do you what do you what would you call them? I don't know. I live in Encinitas, and it's kind of the the way that I describe the culture here is like Burning Man entrepreneurs. So it was kind Pretty of much. like that. And essentially, I was one of the two speakers besides Amateo, and the other speaker was this guy named Alex Moscow. And we both ended up speaking and discovered each other, and discovered that we had such a similar background in that we were both we were both had been behind the scenes of growing coaching empires, doing all the behind the scenes work. So he had grown Ted McGrath's company when he was 21 years old and kind of worked 70 hours a week doing, you know, like setting up webinar technology at four in the morning and running all the ads and just doing everything. And I had done that for several companies as well. And so Mm -hmm. it was the first time I ever hired a business coach because I always learned by doing by executing by getting other people's budgets and being able to teach myself that way so I never hired a coach and learned that way or really joined programs but I hired him because I was like I can trust this guy he's done everything and he his thing his whole thing is high ticket sales so he just took a look at my business and he was like all right we're just gonna amplify this times about five and go out and sell so I think I was charging at that time 2500 for a VIP day and I bumped it up to five and everybody said yes and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I could probably bump it up even more and I just I just sort of took on the advice that I had given all my clients, which is your, price, your pricing should make you a little bit uncomfortable but not so uncomfortable that you can't sell it that you can't sell it. So if everybody is saying yes, it's time for another increase. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's one of those other things as well that I really love about price increases. And this is something for posterity more than anything for myself. So when I listen back to this later, I'll remind myself. So future adult listening to this, this is a very key area that you need to remember. When raising your prices, I, what I found is that usually, initially, you I don't know if you found this, I did. You'll usually find like a lot of people trying to give you resistance to the new price rise. And that just means you need to move into a new market. And the moment mm-hmm. you go to a new market, it's kind of like, oh, you're that much? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Like, no yeah. questions asked. Here's the money. So wow. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I created a membership site for the people that really, really want my help. And it's out of their range to invest at the level that I'm asking. So not everybody needs to do that. You can move into a new market and just stay there. And for me, my client is the same person at different levels of development and success and so I have a range where I can charge higher prices to the multi-million dollar companies that I work with and I can still invite other people to learn storytelling in in the digital marketing landscape that they're just starting out or they haven't hit six figures at and they're not quite there yet but they really and this is important they're really willing to do the work and go through the pain that it takes to to launch from zero to where you want to be. So I wouldn't just help. Like I talk to everybody before I let them into that community and make sure that they are executors. And so that's really for me, that's kind of how I distinguish around who I'm going to work with and where I'm going to put them. Yeah, you have to. Yep, for sure. 
Because that's kind of the other thing as well that I've noticed with you that I really, really respect about you is who you work with is quite simply the people you know. Like, you have to speak to them and go, hey, are you really going to be, like, a guy, a person that basically executes? Or are you going to be someone that just kind of, like, drags us down? Yeah, that's not going to happen. I will not let that into my space. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work for me. Yeah, it really doesn't because that's something that you have always, like, lived by and I always know this about you. I mean, you and I actually... What's really interesting is I actually had a friend of mine that was telling that we were going to do the show, you and I, and their response was, wait, why aren't you friends with, or why, aren't, why aren't you and Kylie t- talking all the time again? I was, <laughs> like, I was like, honestly, it's not that we don't want to because she's, ba- it, this is the way I look at it. If I flew out to California and I was like, hey, I'm in Northern San Diego where you are. And what I said to you is like, hey, Kylie, I'm here. I can guarantee you if you weren't completely busy doing like a massive launch or something. The first thing you'd say is, dude, be there in five. I'm going to pick you up from the airport. Like, you're one of those people I just know. Be like, yeah, that's that's my friend Adelie. He flew out here. Totally going to hang out with him. Because there's that, it's that thing where you can just kind of pick up with that friend wherever you go. Totally. And yeah, that's, for- that's, that's one of the things I love about us is that if you came to London, I think the first thing I'd say to you is, do you have a place to stay? And your response, if you're like, no, I, I was just flying through London. I'm going to be here for like two days. I'm like, cool, crash at my place. why wouldn't i crash at his place totally just and just flying through london for two days i don't know about that i might have to stay a little longer (laughs) uh hells yeah you're gonna be like trying to kidnap my cats again this is kind of like we all know there's two of them now by the way not one oh chase has a chase has a friend huh how's that going oh he has a girlfriend because he got her pregnant and now they're both (laughs) spayed like they're both (laughs) You, you can hear that Chase, and by the way, congratulations, she actually remembered Chase's name. You have to realize me and Kylie haven't spoken for absolutely ages. So the fact that you remember that, that's adorable. But um, <coughs> Chase isn't meowing as much right now, if you've noticed. And that's simply because um, he got he got cut last year and his, um, his himself tied up. He got snipped. So he's, mm. he's, he's now completely fine. Uh, but not before he had some very, very cute Bengal children with Luna. Oh, okay. So, so where did those cats go? They were sold. I didn't even get to meet them. That was the sucky part. Like, Luna's, Luna's mum basically uh, sold them. And then she was like, hey, I I might have to get rid of Luna because I'm moving. I was like, I'll take Luna. So why? I was like, well, Chase needs someone to play with when I'm not at home. (laughs) It's a thing. So it's that little love story coming together, how they met. Yay. Mm. It's always brilliant. But that kind of being said, because um, one of the things I really, really did want to ask you more than anything, Kylie, was this idea of why is it that your ads, in your opinion, do you think they actually work really, really well? Like when you write advertising, why is it that you believe that it works so well? Sure. I think it's because I have an ability from years and years of doing slam poetry, performance poetry to create emotion fast so somebody could walk into a room when I was in my 20s and I was doing performance poetry all the time that was my whole life someone could walk into a room in one mood and leave in another and the job of the poet was to to make that happen like maybe I want someone to think about something in a different way and I only have a couple of minutes how am I going to tell a story to make that happen and what was really cool about being in that environment is that you get 
you get the you get even more immediate feedback than running ads, which which is very much immediate feedback. But it's like 24 hours you start to get some feedback from ads. And when you're on a stage, as you know from speaking, you see people's reaction immediately, and you have to keep going, and you have to adjust. And you know you learn really fast, like what works and doesn't work. And so the first time I wrote an ad, it pretty much crushed it. it it did like a 2000% return which i didn't know was really uh, like way higher than industry standard mm-hmm. I, I had no idea i didn't know but i essentially just took the same skill set that i was doing in spoken word and i was applying it to ads and so so i just kind of like looked at this one basic question which is what is somebody feeling when they're scrolling down their newsfeed and 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 then really taking that question to another level? How can we meet them there? You know, and really thinking about that. And I just did it once and then I gained the confidence to keep doing it. And instead of the biggest mistake I see people make is not having confidence in in their skill set. So they just defer to what is everybody else doing that's working. And then you see 90% of ads all sound the same. And that is not working anymore. That could have worked two years ago. It isn't working now. So you really have to find that unique message and that unique communication and just say it like, especially, and you know, this, just say it like you would say it to someone you were talking to. So don't stand on a soapbox. You know, that's another thing. Don't sound like a marketer, sound like a friend who just maybe knows a little bit more than the person reading. Yeah, exactly. Like this podcast, listen to this and you'll actually get a very, very keen idea of how people actually speak. Cause Kylie and I speak all like when we speak, I always learn a lot of stuff from her. I mean, right now <laughs> I've learned a lot of stuff from her. So I'm like, you know, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. And, and likewise, and it's like, you know, the greatest copywriters in the world, if we look at somebody like John Carlton, who, you know, a lot of people would say is one of the top 10 or 20 copywriters living for sure. And and potentially, you know, of all time. And when you read his books that he wrote, I'm not quite as familiar with his sales letters, but if you read his books, you literally feel like he's just talking to one person, which is you and you're sitting in his living room and you're like, even though I don't smoke cigarettes, you get this feeling like, okay, we're just drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and like, like hanging out. And now we're going to go ride motorcycles. And that's not really my vibe, but it doesn't matter because for the people that that lands with, it's like, like his, his copy becomes, you know, so magnetic because it has that feeling of intimacy. So the greatest copywriters, they are able to create a feeling of intimacy. And when you sound like a marketer or an advertiser, you've just basically put yourself in a different room as the person reading, which, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really fly. And especially it doesn't fly since the advent of user generated content. It's just really like social media really disrupted that whole ability for an advertiser to just come in and be like, oh, well, John Wayne smokes Marlboro, so you should too. And then everyone runs to the store and buys that. That kind of doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a great, it, that is basically what it is. And just to say about this about John, because um, I'm actually trying to get him on the show because it's been a while since I spoke to him. <laughs> um, John was my first teacher. Like my oh, actual, wow. uh, his blog I think there's a testimonial left him when I was like 20. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere there. I remember it's on, it was about Rancho Cucamonga that he was talking about. I think I said <laughs> to him that he, his work put structure to what I already had. Yes. For like two years, I, I was writing out of structure. I was 
not grammatically checking my work. I was just mailing mm-hmm. it in and my clients were completely okay with it. Mm-hmm. John gave me structure and all of a sudden everything changed. Yep. And he's so good at it. I can see that. I can see his influence in your work now that you mentioned it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you have like you have the natural ability also to speak into people's Voice. people's greatest well and to speak into where people are at you know like when you've looked at my copy and you're like hey that's pretty good but like let's do this 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 and this everything that you added and changed was like that sophisticated nuance of intimacy this is what they're really thinking this is what they're really struggling with this is what they're willing to admit they're struggling with but this is what's really going on and and really mastering that level of connection i mean it's it's definitely a gift it can oh. also be learned it can also be learned but oh, it's massively. definitely it, it's definitely a gift. Like someone I'd say that everyone should read is um, Eugene Schwartz. Oh, for sure. Gene's <laughs> breakthrough advertising, actually, everything that Kylie's just said about me, um, I didn't learn from Eugene. My thing came quite naturally from observing people because I, I, I speculate right. people when I'm walking down the street. It's really, really weird. Um, more of a defense mechanism initially, and now it's kind of like a tool. Gene, uh, his whole thing was like how to get into that headspace if you've never been into it, and it's amazing. Um, because it's brilliant. I think the book is like $110 to buy, like from Brian Kurtz's site. I mean, you can just Google um, Breakthrough Advertising Brian Kurtz and it'll come up with like a, a link for you to go check out. It's one of my favorite books to read. Um, it's, a bit, it's amazing. It's a bit heavy. I'm not going to lie. It's very, very heavy to read, but it's a good read to go through when you go through it. Um, something I did want to actually like touch upon is you said this is when you don't actually know what the industry standard is and you smash industry standards do you not get this feeling as well? Because I know I do, and it's something that I was talking about the other day. Um, that there's an expectation that you must smash the industry standard always. Like I'll give you an example of copywriting. What mm-hmm. would you say would be a good percentage for a lukewarm market or even a cold market to get a response from an ad to a sales letter? Like what would you say the response mm-hmm. would be on sales letter, like percentage wise? I've seen in running Facebook ads in many, many different industries for cold traffic, I see one to 3% of the people who come into the funnel that land on the sales page and then purchase. It's like one to 3%. So I find it to be much easier and much more profitable to use Facebook ads when you have something higher ticket to sort of absorb those costs. Or if you're doing something lower ticket to just understand you're probably going to lose money on the front end offer, but what are you offering after that? So I I see one to 3%. And if you're selling a $7 product, if you're selling a $47 product, are you comfortable with a $20 to $30 customer acquisition cost because that's probably what you're going to be paying and potentially even more. You know, that would be a good, that would be a good CPA. So really, um, that's kind of how I see it as one to three. And I've also seen my clients do crazy, crazy things telling stories. I had a client, this is not exactly a sales letter, but it kind of is because we can look at a webinar as being just- It's a a long form sales letter. A a sales letter, like I had a client who got 173 people or 183 people on a webinar and had 83 of them opt in for a sales call at the end, which is close to 50%, which most people would be happy with 10% of the show ups to actually make it to the offer and then you know either buy or- or get on a call that so so I think again levels of intimacy change those numbers dramatically but for cold traffic even if you're really really rocking it out one to three uh, 
it's it's gonna be average so you know what's really funny about that is uh, the, i'm glad that you said that because those are actually the industry standard numbers if you get like one percent that's good two percent mm-hmm. that's better three percent mm-hmm. oh you are rocking it yeah then and you the can f- play a numbers game yeah what's really funny about that is in my world that's not the case yeah, me too. <laughs> when people hire me, they're like, 3%, you suck. I'm like, what? 3% <laughs> industry average. Like, no, 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 we want adult stats. Because, like, like, my stats are on average. Like, 10% is my 1%. Yeah. 15% is my 2%. Mm-hmm. 20% is my mm-hmm. 3%. Like, why do you get such high sales numbers? I was like, honestly, because I've already entered where your customer's mind is from, like, the ad yeah. to the opt-in to the welcome yep. offer we've we've yep. basically built a story for them to keep running through so they're like oh this is the next chapter i know what to do this is okay versus i'm just like giving them an ad to go to a thing and then giving them something else there's incon- there's no inconsistency it flows like mm-hmm. water and the reason i bring this up is because i had a client i told ben settle this i think on the last episode when the, after this one comes out was um what did we do one of my clients mailed her list her warm list it, w- it was warm but even then you're looking at like 20 to 40% conversion rate onto a continuity offer of 50 bucks a month, right? Mm-hmm. We did 74% conversion off her list. Wow, that's amazing. And people are like, well, how did you do that? It's like, because I knew what her market was. I knew what her market wanted. I knew her. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very easy carry on to go do that. And you do the same thing. So I guess my, my question was, do you ever find it as a struggle or maybe you don't because you've really dialed your thing in me. I'm still like dialing my shit in from who I want to work with mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because I love working with everyone. So it's like a universal thing where I just don't get bored into one one area. Um, when you're working in that situation where, you, where such a high expectation is on you, do you ever find it like, re- how, how do you manage that? Like personally, mm-hmm. yourself, how do you personally mm-hmm. manage that? I always try to increase the performance of my ads. I write mostly ads and landing pages. I don't do a lot of sales letter copy. So typically what will happen is someone will bring me on and initially I can I can definitely beat the agency performance most of the time, not always, but most of the time they'll have an agency that and in the problem with hiring agencies, it's I have some great agencies I work with and love them, but the the issue is they don't always have the capacity to deeply get into the psychology and the market research. A lot of times they're so busy with just trying to like do the back end stuff, like scale the traffic. And, and, and so a lot of times people that run agencies, they're more, they're more focused on that kind of stuff, like scaling systems, that kind of stuff. And then they'll hire someone like me that really understands psychology. Like you were saying, that's your, that's your area and that's my area too. And so immediately I'll take what's, what's working and improve upon it and get rid of what's not working and just personalize it and just personalizing it is already going to do better on a platform like Facebook. So typically speaking, people are pretty happy with that because, you know, like for some clients, I've been able to get the click cost down by 50% in the first round of ad copy. They're really happy with that because they know that they can take that metric and and potentially double their sales on the back end. And that's a huge metric. You know, if you can just get that click cost down and everything else is working, then people people are really, really happy with that. I don't put so much pressure on myself to be 
like perfectionist and constantly like beat my performance. But it's more like, how can we, how can we look at all the metrics and how can we just do a little bit better on all of them? Because that makes a huge difference. So I'm always thinking about that. If the landing page is converting at 20, how can we get 25 or 30? And if it's converting at 30, how can we get 40? And, and then just kind of making those revisions and getting that feedback and making more revisions. And I mean, people are pretty happy with that. And, and I have, I have just found a way to constantly try to do better without drowning in perfectionism because I think as a writer and as a creative, perfectionism is is one of the biggest creativity killers on the planet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> for me on for me it is. I'll freeze. No, I agree with you entirely. That's something that's so true that very few people actually get. Um and just very quickly cuz there are like a couple of questions I do want to ask you. Mhm. <coughs> One of the things I find interestingly, because the way I deal with it is I kind of let it go mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm going to be perfect in this, but how do I get around it? Because right now I'm writing an ad for Jay and I have to rewrite the ad. Like, you know me, I like to get things done once and mail it in. I'm on my 14th iteration of this ad. <laughs> I've written 14 different variations of the sales letter and I'm like, man, this is a tough thing to go with, but let's go with it. Because, you know, I want to impress it, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I also want to make it sell. So the way I've done it is um, I find the ideal person and I speak to them and I extract yep. exactly what I need and give them and sell the program to them while recording it. I'm mm-hmm. like, great, I've got it, cool, transcribe it, get it done. We're all fun. We're all done, dusted. Now, I'm not going to ask you to name this book. So discounting Winning the Story Wars, which is your favorite book of all time that you keep promoting everywhere, which is awesome. I have a question of like, what are your three favorite books? And there is there is parameters to this. So the, the parameters are the the two of the books have to be nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And the third one has to be a fictional book slash movie. Could be either a book or a movie mm. that you would recommend people to watch. Well, my favorite book that's, that's uh, fiction is... The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, <laughs> the oh, Narnia classic. series is like the best. That I, I read that many, many times. Followed closely by Harry Potter, which I'm on volume uh, book four of right now. And have, then wait, have on you read the, the other Harry Potter books before. What's that? You've read the Harry Potter books before, right? No, I'm just doing it for the first time. Oh, you're in for a treat. No spoilers, I, but you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the middle of book four. So yeah, Narnia followed by Harry Potter for sure. I love that sort of fantasy sci-fi never-ending story like good solid moral kind of a story and then okay so then the other two are non-fiction you said yep so non-fiction books here yeah i think that the story wars definitely is one of them and i think in terms of who we who besides winning the story wars that's yeah besides that okay so I really like, speaking of John Carlton, I really love his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. I think it's one of the greatest books about business and copy, but he he just tells stories. Mm -hmm. So it's it's such a powerful demonstration of why stories work. The other book that I really love is, well, God, there's so many. I could give you like 50. I, I love, hmm... I love Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey. I think Amazing book. it's pretty dense. It's pretty hard to get through, like you said. And I'm kind of irritated with him because I I hesitated to say it because 
I signed up for a workshop of his in New York City and he canceled it and never gave any refunds. <laughs> so that man owes me $400 if you're listening, Christopher. <laughs> but it is a, it is a, it's a really important book in terms of how to, how to write persuasively. Yeah. I mean, the man's a genius when it comes to like following the writer's journey. So I'll give you that one. Um, yeah. one, one of the book I would add to this collection because John's books are amazing, but one of the book I would definitely add to this because I'm rereading it and I keep finding the more I go back to it. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually go as far as saying, uh, God, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, when you have a book in your mind, you're like, Ooh, that's such a good book for her to read or like to recommend. And then yeah. You totally forget. Um, the Daily Stoic. Oh, okay. Ryan Holiday. It's a good book just to like keep you centered, keep yourself centered. That's one of my books I'd cool. recommend. Another, awesome. because again, I've got to do the three. Otherwise, it would just be unfair to like put them. All <laughs> in there. Uh, so the second book I'd recommend is Getting Everything You Can Out of Everything You Have by Jay Abraham. Oh, cool. Jay's an amazing guy, and his books are like timeless and great, and you can just tell the guy's really. You know how, like, as copywriters or, like, as ad people, we, we're we okay with the words we use. We're like, yeah, we know this is fine. This is a word we would use, whatever it is. Um, and there's certain words we just would avoid. Mm-hmm. Jay has, like, a, I'm, I'm sure he has, like, a dictionary at home of words to use in place for other words and just keep going. Like, a level of sophistication what he does is just incredible. It's Be- pretty ridiculous, yeah. Because I read his uh, – he sent me his uh, – letter that he wrote for Tony Robbins's nine day event in Hawaii like 20 years ago <laughs> oh my god I'm just reading the goddamn headline just sends chills down your spine how good it is do you mind if I read it to you just this guy's no I was like can you send it to me please no I love Jay Abraham <laughs> um, so this is the headline I've got to get this off my chest before I explode and before it's too late Open paragraph is what I'm about to share with you is the why, the how, the who, the what, the where, and the amazing and fascinating story behind the most important and massively effective new transformational technology I've ever developed. And why, if it is at all possible for you, with or without your family, to schedule yourself, I'd like to personally invite you to spend nine of the most stimulating and important days and nights of your entire life with me and Becky on the most magnificent and lush tropical resort in all the Hawaiian islands, the Hyatt Regency. I can't say the word because it's really hard for me. To, I think it's Waikoloa. Kaloa. Mm. I can't say it. And this, the next headlines had to finally become a master of your your own destiny, the ultimate training experience I may ever conduct. And then it goes into the letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're already sold. Right. And, and that's great because 80% of people make their buying decision by the end of the headline. Oh yeah. Entirely. You got to get, you got to get done. You got to just get people on board right away. Um, so yeah. So I guess my favorite question really here, uh, Kylie more than anything is because we got like about seven minutes, seven to 10 minutes left, I guess. It's these. Two, it's this first question. It's like when you actually were knocked on your ass, like confidence completely destroyed. You couldn't get back up, and you didn't really think you could. What did you do in order to raise yourself back up? Like, what was it that mm, you did? Mm, I think it goes back to what you were talking about about turning to God, and 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 not everybody, like you also said, is 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 going to resonate with that. But that's like the most central, important part of my life. So I always believe that everything I'm here to do is, is, 
is centered around that and on that. And so that's where I go when I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Like this life sucks. And why are you taking everything away from me? And then I find that really taking active steps to surrender to divine will and divine law and all those good things that that's really my main source of inspiration in life and, and breakthrough too. So that's a very, so that's not lip service for me. That's a very real thing. And that's, that's really how I do life. Oh yeah. No, I know anyone that spends any time with you knows that that's exactly how you live life. I mean, <laughs> you, you're just basically that person. And that's why you live in like Northern California, like Northern San Diego and you, know, you do what you do. I guess my next question realistically here is <clears throat> if you had to give three pieces of advice to entrepreneurs that were going through, and this this kind of like goes to like three different people. And the reason I say three different people is because mm-hmm. they're universally applicable or it just might be for, you know, this group that you want to focus on. It's completely up to you. So the three pieces of advice that you would give to someone that is good at what they do, but they're essentially a broke expert. You know, they're, they're not making mm-hmm. as much money as they should. They're not really putting out the programs mm-hmm. they should, all that, the other. Uh, mm-hmm. The second person is someone that's hit a plateau. And the third person is still kind of trying to find their voice and value in the world. Like they know they're good at what they do, but for whatever reason, they just they just can't put it out there. So, what mm-hmm. three piece of advice would you give them? Well, for the first two, I would give the same exact piece of advice, and that would be hire somebody ten times smarter than you who's had the results that you're trying to get. Even for the broke expert, I mean, it can be more important actually for them to do that. And then for the third person, I would say it's just about volume. It, it's just about getting out there and doing it and failing forward and doing it so much, whatever the thing is that you're doing, doing it so much that you can't help but click into place and you can't help but find your voice because repetition breeds mastery. Yep, I agree. I yeah. agree. Repetition is amazing. So real quickly, everyone go check out kylieslavic.com. Uh, Kylie's got a whole bunch of stuff there as well for you guys. Make sure you actually speak to her as well, connect with her. And if you're real as a person, trust me, she is one of the coolest people you'll ever get a chance to meet, as you could just have. This is just a snippet of the time I've actually had her here. I'm probably going to drag her back onto the show at some point, um, <laughs> just simply because I love doing that to people. Um, Kylie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I know it's like still quite early over there. It's not even 10 in the morning for you. Um, yep. So I really enjoy having you here. Guys, go check out Kylie's stuff and go check out uh, kylieslava.com. Make sure you rate, comment, subscribe, and share this interview as well if it's impacted you. And also reach out to Kylie, myself, let us know what your biggest takeaways were as well. Um, Awesome. And Kylie, thank you again for doing this uh, interview with me. Thank you. It's been a blast as always. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care and peace out.